Hey guys, hope everybody's doing well. It's been a while since I've um, certainly uploaded a podcast, but um, I guess as a just as a general tip, um, I, I did a podcast a week ago, um, and essentially, I, I didn't. I, I sent it to a few people. Um, I guess it was personal to me. It was very raw. There was a lot of tears. Um, and I guess it's a really useful tool to express yourself. And, and it's probably something I haven't realized about the podcast over this whole time, that sometimes you say things that you you hadn't already thought. So, you know, what I mean by that is um, obviously quite recently, quite a lot went on with me. Um and I guess then for me to speak out loud on this podcast that, that at the time I, I genuinely believed I was going to upload. Um, but I, I spoke out loud, it, it, you know, it was 20 minutes long. Um, and there's room that, you know, perhaps one day I'll upload that. But um, I actually don't think I will. It was, it was very sad. Um, I, I think some people would find it really quite upsetting. Um, and that's not what I want to do. Um, but the reason I sent it to some people close to me is because, you know, it, it was probably the first time in my life that I'd been quite honest, um, maybe honest to myself and maybe honest to the people people close to me, um, which is mental. That's crazy that it took 32 years, but um, there you go. So, look, the, the, the benefit of podcasting um, for the likes of 15, 20 minutes is I think you... You bring up things that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have thought of, wouldn't have spoke about, um, and, and there's a real nice feeling to that. Um, everything, everything's in a good place. I'm I'm sat on a balcony in a city called Phoenix, Arizona. It's a fucking gorgeous city. I just wish it was about seven degrees cooler, and then I could probably call this city my home because it's fucking hell. It is gorgeous. It's just like. Oh, the sun shining, and but I ran last night and it was 38 degrees Celsius. Like, what the fuck? Um, and like, this is the inconvenience. Like today, I was going to do a long run, but it's kind of like, you know, it's already 32 Celsius, and by the time I'd finished the long run, it would be like 36. And it's like, would I do more damage than good? Probably. Um, so absolutely gorgeous place. But I'm actually here to get my COVID test for Tokyo. So. Um, I, I did, you know, withdraw from Tokyo, and I, and I will talk about that, um, and then obviously I, fuck me, like, even just saying that out loud, I'm such a drama, which, like, I might have had good reason, but I also am such a fucking drama, it must be really difficult to know me, um, you know, when you retire one day, and um, it's kind of like I get to go to my own funeral, and I hear everybody say the speeches that he, oh, he was such a lovely guy. Oh, he was a wanker. Um, and then the next day I'm like, just kidding. I'm not dead. <laughs> um, but obviously that's not the case. Um, but yeah, like it, I guess with me it can be um, quite dramatic. Um, so I'll, I'll start with um, how things are going generally. How things are going generally, I'm over the cold, which is fantastic. Um, the cold was giving me a lot of stress because um, I, I just didn't 
I didn't understand, which is probably going to have a few psychological issues here, but like, I didn't understand why I got a cold. Um, and anybody listening is probably thinking, well, you know, that's just one of those things you get a cold, but I, I had done nothing wrong. So I, I, had, I, <laughs> I don't mind being like punished when you've done something wrong. Um, it seems fair if you've been lazy, if you were out partying, um, you know, you were up late at night, you were eating junk food, you were eating shit. I, fuck me, I was the true professional. Um, in bed every night at 8 o'clock. Um, God, it's really funny. People are also going to find this very hilarious. Well, actually, they might not care or find it hilarious at all. On this balcony, I'm looking across, and I just see, like, a, a flash in light. And it reminded me of, I play this silly game called Call of Duty Warzone, and when you see a flash in light, it means a fucking sniper's just about to nail you. And I just got that thought. Anyway, got this cold. Um, it's probably it's probably two weeks ago now, um, and and I the fucking really frustrating thing was is I had just taken a down week, and I had also just sent an email to Athletics Ireland, like not boasting by any means, but like just saying how great everything had been and that I, that I was going to take a down week just just because I could and, and, you know, everything was in such a good place and, and, and fitness was really good and the long runs have been really good. And, and so then I decided to take this down week and then I send this email at the end of the down week, like Friday, and then I wake up Saturday not feeling great, bit of a sore throat Saturday night, full-blown cold Sunday, and I'm like, for fuck's sake. Um, so I guess this whole time, um, this whole build-up, um, now, this will build up, actually, on paper, um, and I, I'm going to come back to that. There's loads of things that I'm going to come back to. Um, so get the cold. This will build up. The, the, the goal has always been to be healthy, um, not to overtrain, um, not to physically pick up an injury, etc., etc. You get one crack at the Olympics. Um, I, I hope, I still hope, um, a lot of people make a mess of um, the healthy side of things. I hope a lot of people overtrain. Um, I hope a lot of people go in with niggles. I, I would never wish, and I just have, I'm about to say I would never wish badly upon anybody, but there's mistakes that I believed were easy to make in the build-up to the Olympic Games. Because if you're listening, you understand how motivation works. You pencil in a race and your motivation spikes. Now, could you imagine penciling in the Olympic Games and that spike is, like, abnormal? It's like, holy fuck, I got an Olympics in 10 weeks. I better, you know, I better get my ass in gear here. Um, so I was hoping that, you know, people would fuck that up and I decided to be sensible because then it would mean come race day, I'd likely be at least healthy, you know, hopefully pretty happy and, and ready to at least be able to show the work that I have done um, versus when you overcook it, you have all this amazing work done, but you, you don't even get an honest, fair chance to show it, which really fucking sucks. So, oh, you know what, guys? I'm going to forget the things that I was supposed to come back to. Um, but that, that's, the, that's the health side of things, um, and, and that's been the priority this entire build-up. Um, so when I got the cold, I decided to take seven days where all I do is jog seven miles. Um, so, I, I, you know, all I did was jog seven miles. Seven miles easy. 
kept an eye on heart rate, kept an eye on rest and heart rate, used the aura ring, which is fantastic at sort of letting you know. Why the aura ring so good is because it it can it can let you know that you're not overdoing it, that the seven mile isn't taking too much out of you. And and I guess had I have maybe trained full, the aura ring would have showed something like, you know, hey, you haven't recovered from that. And that's and that's the whole purpose of training is to absorb and recover from whatever you've done. So I used the aura ring. I got my seven days done and then I, you know, we're going to ignore any drama in my life and we're just going to pretend that that didn't happen. I will talk about that in a second. But um, so so then I was able to pretty much move on and get back into full training. And that started with exactly a week after getting the cold. I did a pretty solid long run. It was 12 miles. It, it wasn't really a long run. It was I, I was about to do 20 and then I kind of got to halfway and was like, you know what, it's, it's, it's been a week since I've done anything. I'd be delighted when I finish this long run. The second I finish, I'm going to go, yes, 20 miles, you know, 540 average or 530 average, whatever I'd have got down to. Um, but this whole buildup, I've constantly been thinking, I need to, I need to ignore, like, um, quick stimulus, which would be that day. So very quick stimulus um, on the day, feel great, 20 miles. It almost would have made the week seem like, who cares about what just happened, you know, this weekend, big drama, but boom, you know, I got this really good 20-mile run done. Um, but the problem is when I'd be stood on the start line and my, you know, negative emotions start attacking me um, that's the kind of shit they'd bring up they'd be like yeah you stupid fucker you know you you had an easy week and then you fucking went and did a 20 mile run at the end of it and you probably made yourself too tired and and you probably didn't absorb that run and you're a knob and that's what happened so you need to start thinking about that you need to start thinking that everything you do has a has a cost and so is it logical to do a 20 mile run at the end of an easy week, when on the Friday night you've gone out and got pissed and woke up dying on Saturday, having just withdrawn from the Olympics, and then 24 hours later done a hard 20-mile run. It's not logical. It's fucking stupid. So logic kicked in midway through this long run, but the the benefits of the long run was it was the first day I'd done over seven mile, half a long run. It was the first day that I'd ran um, probably quicker than seven-minute mile pace. Um, and it was also really nice to see, even after the Friday night, that nothing was hurt. My body was in an okay place. Mentally, I was in an okay place. And, and it was really nice. So that's a nice little recap. Um, since that, um, no, let's do this in two parts. So the Sunday morning is when I do the podcast that I talked about. And I guess maybe, maybe something happened on the run that I, that I just, I was able to relax and, you know, I got all these lovely messages and, and lots and lots of people um, reaching out to me and, and, you know, offering advice and, and offering, you know, if I ever needed to call. or And I just wasn't ready for that yet. Um, but for some reason after this run, it just I just felt ready. So on the way home in the car, I was thinking about what I would say if I called someone or, or you know, did a podcast and... Um, 
and I, and I I kept breaking down into tears, <laughs> like, which is very unlike me. Like I'm not typically a crier, so I'm talking and and you know I'm 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 for the first time being honest, and so I go home and I do this podcast, and you know it it pretty much starts as you know I you know it's like it's like I'm standing up in an AA meeting, but I'm just like hi my name's you know Stephen Scullion, I'm a professional athlete and 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 I was abused as a kid. Um, I was verbally abused. I was physically abused. Um, I was treated just in ways that you're you're not supposed to be treated. I was threatened before races. Um, if I didn't win, for example, that I'd you know get beat when I went home. Um, I was told after races that I was an embarrassment and maybe the car door would be click kick closed and um, there'd be a lot of words said in the car. I'd be sitting in the back seat crying my eyes out and I'd be being told maybe the whole journey home how how much trouble I was in and, and how you know I was going to get kicked up and down the stairs and and all these sort of things and and I think it takes its toll um mentally a lot um I you know I was once accused of smoking um because I was wheezing during a track session um, and I, I think we all know now that I had to get a, like an operation on my throat and I have a physical ailment and caused me to wheeze. And, you know, imagine as a child, just like a, a 14 or 15 year old boy that just did not deserve to be treated that way. Um, I just started listening to Andre Agassi's book and I, and before I, had, before I had started listening to it, you know, I've been writing this book. And I can't wait for you guys to be able to read this book. It's it's really powerful. Um, but I, I'm writing this book, and um, something that came up in it was, you know, I I don't. Well, you're going to read it anyway. So um, I I basically said my my dad my dad um, started the spark, and then I lit the flame. And it's a quote that I had came up with, obviously myself. Um, and it's this idea that any form of abuse, physically, verbally, anytime somebody says something negative to you, um, anytime somebody attempts to offend you or upset you, or it's not so much what they say. That has power. But what has more power is how you perceive what they say and then move forward with it. And Andre Agassi touches on it too, that you eventually become worse yourself, what you say to yourself internally, what you, you become worse than that original um, abuser on your life. So somebody starts the process and then, you know, they finish that process 15 years ago in my case, but yet here we still are. And it was, it's really cool listening to Andre Agassi's book because we're so fucking similar. It's crazy. Um, you know, he had his ways. He, he apparently, when he, you know, got emotional or didn't perform, lit fires. Now, I don't light fires, but I, but I punch things. Like, not people. Sometimes people when I've got in fights or whatever as a kid, but not for a long, long time. Um, but I'm looking down at my hand right now, and there's still one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight big scabs on my this because you know I punch walls I punch lampposts I punch in this case houses per garage door um 
and yeah, there's a, there's a lot of similarities. So look, I decided that I'm no longer going to hide from my past. I'm no longer going to accept what happened and protect, you know, the person that did it. This whole time, I've done a really good job of lying to girlfriends and lying to people close to me and um, just doing that because I didn't want to paint a bad picture is a really good way to say it. Whereas now I'm going to paint the picture exactly how it is. And if the abuser or people close to the abuser or whatever uh, don't like it, well, that's not my fault because it wasn't me. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, Now, there's a lot of things I've done wrong since that is absolutely my fault because you, you can't consistently and constantly blame your past for your present. You have to hold yourself accountable for your present. Otherwise, you just become a fucking dick, basically. So people, people will understand often why things will go mad. And, and you know, the, the scheme of events last Thursday was very, very difficult. You know, you're, you're told on Friday morning that you, you know, your uncle's tried to commit suicide. And that led to conversations within the family about history and past. And um, it brought up a lot of conversations and things that I had probably pushed away and pushed down and um, it ended in a, I actually was having a beer to celebrate my COVID test being negative um, and you know I'd gone six months without drinking and, and so I'm having this beer and the beer turned into you know drink somewhere else and then drink somewhere else turned into shots and espresso martinis and, and vodka and a lot a lot of drink um, and I let myself down a bit. And that's, you know, I hold myself to a certain standard. And I don't, you know, I had to buy the neighbor flowers, for example. I didn't have to, but the neighbor came to speak to me and, and asked me, you know, hey, what was that all about? And fucking 2.30 a.m., I'm punching the garage door and walking up and down the street with no shirt on. It's probably quite scary. Um, and I kind of explained there a little bit, and then bless her, you know, she'd had a history, and and you know, someone in her family had committed suicide very close to her, and she started to cry, and I'm hugging this neighbor, and and we had this real moment. It was lovely, you know, like she realized I'm I'm actually just probably just a scared little boy that day, you know, I'm I'm not dangerous, I'm I'm not a bad person, um, I'm just sometimes I'm just that little boy, and. And so I asked her, did she want to hug? And she said, yeah, that'd be really nice. And so I hugged her. And, and then I actually went to the store and bought her flowers. And I, I didn't need to do that. But I just knew that had I not did what I did, then she wouldn't have been in tears. And I also knew she lived alone. And, and I thought this bunch of flowers would, you know, really make her day. And, and I hope it did, you know, like that, that's, a, that's something I can control. And that's the standard I hold myself to. So they're the little things that I can control. Um... But it, it, was, it was a really wild 48 hours. I, I, I already explained why I withdrew from the Olympics. I, you know, I genuinely believed it was, you know, sticking the middle finger up to um, the abuse that I'd received. And it didn't, you know, I, I sometimes talk about this lion and this animal, um, how it's been created, it's been fabricated, you know, it's, it's not fabricated, it's been, it's been morphed in me. It was, it was discovered, it was, it was, I've never really been truthfully honest about, you know, why I think of an animal, but when you're constantly abused and constantly beat down and constantly told you're not good enough and something inside you decides to just keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting. Like, that's that animal. That's that warrior 
within all of us that you know the more you think about it the more you realize you've overcome a lot of things in your life um the reason i explained that to everybody is because if i'm quite honest i was getting pissed off that people were making assumptions and judgments that it was stress or expectation or um, the hype of the olympics or uh, none of that mattered to me it was a race and i'd prepared really well um, you know, I, the more I think about it, I went the altitude before Christmas. I went the altitude just after Christmas. Um, I went the altitude over Easter. Then I went home to Belfast. I got the throat operation. I went back the altitude, and and now I'm back again. And I've just done my longest stint, which is you know seven weeks before I'll travel to Tokyo. So I had prepared. <laughs> I I prepare. I prepare in a way that I can just numb the hype and numb the stress and numb the expectation because. I just know, hey, I'm prepared, you know, I, and, and that can lead to, um, people needed to know, um, before, you know, judging me or thinking running was a bad influence on my life, people needed to know the truth, um, sorry, people didn't need to know, but I wanted people to know, I wanted people to know that this wasn't about running, this wasn't, um, it's linked to running, which kind of fucking sucks, and, and probably makes me hate running. Hate, love, whatever you want to call it. It's probably why I retire all the time because there's hate, a lot of hate towards it because that's where the, you know, the abuse formed and that's where it was that part of my life where I was being pushed. Um, the love part is that I've learned to love something that I've, you know, become really good at. So it's, it's a it's a mixture of emotions, but it, it leads to, you know, I was able to get back training this week on Tuesday, I sorry, Monday night. I did a bit of tempo on the treadmill. So I did my half a, half a long run Sunday. Monday night, I did a little bit of tempo on the treadmill just to see how the heart rate was, how the lactates were. Nothing difficult, like maybe like, I think it was five times three minutes, for example, like 15 minutes of little short tempo reps. Um, Tuesday morning, I did a nine-mile progression run. Um, it was really fucking hot, really humid in a place called Camp Verde. It was probably like, I don't know, 85 to 90 Fahrenheit, which is like 32 Celsius and like 65% humidity and, you know, still 65 or sorry, 3,500 feet of altitude. It, it was a tough morning, but, you know, I ran the last couple of mile around five minutes and then the last mile 448 and I was fucking buzzing, but I was, I was more buzzing that I knew I wasn't totally healthy yet, which was fine, but I was buzzing that I was enjoying pushing. And, and when you've just gone through a bit of like emotion, you'll either enjoy pushing or you'll get to the other side and be, you know, fucked, excuse my language, but you'll get to the, the point of pushing and all these emotions will come up and you'll pretty much just give up and nobody wants that. Um, so that's pretty much uh, the rundown of, oh, then, so I took Wednesday pretty easy. Thursday, I did tempo on the treadmill. Um, so why is there a person just staring up at this hotel? That's becoming a bit strange. Um, yeah, it's a little bit weird. And he's done it quite a few times now. Anyway, Thursday night, I do tempo on the treadmill. This time, I do five times four minutes. Um, it's not something I've always done. But when you've had a cold and you've missed a week and you don't like double runs, which I hate double runs, 
I've decided that I actually just prefer to do a little bit of tempo on the treadmill. Um, and it is kind of harmless when you get as much treatment as I do and you're taking lactates to control the intensity. So you're making sure that you're not really producing that much waste product. Other people could do it and probably make a right mess of it, work way too hard and find that it carries fatigue into the next day. I think along with the aura ring and the lactometer and the heart rate, I can really control that I make sure I still wake up the next day in a good enough place to train. So Thursday night was a little bit tempo. Friday morning was 3,400s on the track. It was 25 Celsius, 70% humidity, 7,000 feet of altitude, and I had an absolute brilliant session. You know, great session, really good for the confidence. Um, just going through 200 every single time in 33, and then just backing off a little bit to run 67. Um, I probably averaged 67, which, you know, might not seem really, really fast. Actually, to most people, it probably will seem really, really fast, but, you know, I know people can do 2400s in 60 or 62 and stuff like this, but they're not usually taking a minute recovery. They're not usually at 7,000 feet, and they're probably not 25 Celsius and, you know, 70% humidity. So I, I, I took a lot of confidence from that. And then I traveled yesterday down to Phoenix to get the COVID test, and here we are. Um, I was supposed to do a long run this morning, but it's too hot. And back to the, you know, the original, I just want to stay healthy and, and not fuck things up because you can't, a lot of people are really good at training really, really hard. And if they fuck it up, they just move the marathon. You know, maybe they decide not to do Berlin, I'll do Frankfurt. Um, and they buy themselves time. The Olympics, you don't get to do that. You know, for the Olympics, you're one person, you're Steven Scullion. There isn't two of you, never mind more than that. Um, and you have to... Um, you have to get it right for the date that you've been given. Just let me drink my coffee. So that's where we're at. Um, the plan from here, I pretty much have one day tomorrow. If, if I'll do my test this morning, I'll drive back up the mountain, I'll eat a good lunch, a good dinner, and if by all accounts, I wake up tomorrow feeling, you know, all right, then um, I'll do a bit of a session tomorrow. It'll probably be like I did before. Um, well, it'll either be reps on the track, which would be like four times two mile, for example, around five minutes, or it'll be the progression run that I did before, which is like um, seven or eight miles around 5.30. And because it's at 7,000 feet, paces are kind of irrelevant. So probably like eight miles around 5.30 and then like five miles around like five minutes, 5.10. Um, and then that's kind of like, you make sure the first day you get to really in control and you get, you get a really big benefit from that part. And then the last you just kind of get to push a bit and like let yourself go a little bit and it doesn't really matter if you push a bit too hard in that part or well I think with travel coming up then I'm traveling to Tokyo long haul on Wednesday so um, actually it, it really doesn't matter if I go back up the mountain now I'll have been, I'll have been down the mountain from about 5pm so a little over like 18 hours or something which is nothing so I go back up the mountain I, I joke 
but in all seriousness, it would do no harm to just, you know, wrap myself in bubble wrap and put myself on a plane to Tokyo. Um, I'm healthy. I'm pretty fit. I'm in a good place. I did a really good job of cutting my weight. I was really quite, not so much vocal about that, but like, I, I don't get why people hide that they do that. It just kind of frustrates me. Kind of like pisses me off that like professional runners pretend they don't diet. I do. I have to diet because when I'm at home in Belfast, I'm a fat fucker and I order way too much um, like Chinese and um, pizza and um, dirty. Oh my God. If you're in Belfast and you can order what's called a dirty fry from Dirtbird on the Armour Road and you get chips, chicken, fucking everything fantastic and I add curry sauce over the top oh my god and we get that as like a side to like a chicken wrap or a chicken burger <laughs> oh so I left Belfast and I was like 72 I mean you've seen it I threw I threw it on my Instagram one day I was like 70 uh, every time I'd show up with poor Ricky the physiologist on a Monday for heat chamber I was getting heavier and he's probably thinking what the fuck <laughs> um but I, I think I was like 72 kilo 72 and a half I'm probably like 68 and a half now um which is which is really good I, I lost about a pound a week from 158 pounds down to 152 and I guess there's like two weeks to go but I don't really feel like I need to lose any more weight I mean I, I definitely think I had to lose a bit of weight because I didn't want to be standing on the start line of the Olympics I mean I'm already a big boy and like to be a bigger boy which is pretty much, I had half a stone heavier of fucking curry sauce and kebabs. Um, but yeah, I did a really good job of cutting that down. Maybe that's why I got a cold. I don't really know. I don't really care. It was kind of like a, I had to do it. You know, it was a necessity. Can't, can't run in the heat um, of, of Sapporo or Tokyo and, and be half a stone heavier than your normal race weight. It's not like, it's not like I've taken myself to a race weight that I've never been to before. This is my, my normal between 150 to 152, though in that range, once I start going under 150, it's like new territory. I've been there before, but not normally. Um, so you know, I, I've done a really good job of bringing everything together, and it's really nice. That there's still three weeks to go, and and so there's there's I guess what we could call options. You know, tomorrow there'll be a chance where there's an option to do a bit of a session, but. Actually, it doesn't really matter if I don't do anything. Um, this morning, I'm going to do a five-mile run. I don't, I can't do my COVID test until after 9, 10 a.m., and it's currently 7.45. So I'm going to finish my coffee, and then I'll do a five-mile run in the heat. Oh, it's going to be hot. But at least it's sea level, so that's fun. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant because when it's 30 probably 34 celsius by now i'm fucking sweating sitting on the balcony it's atrocious um yeah it's gonna be hot um that's okay so i get a five mile run done i'll come back i'll shower i'll go for my covid test and then i'm just gonna drive straight from the covid test back up the mountain so i'll probably be back up the mountain um by lunchtime by noon um and then i can just do what i usually do i'll have a smoothie when i get back up the mountain and um you know, carry on with the day as, as I would have done. And it's Sunday, so I'll do my coaching. Um, and and then, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, as long as I wake up tomorrow and everything feels not too bad, I'll decide what I want to do. There's 
there's a, a long run I've been doing, which is called A1 Mountain Road, and, and it's 21 miles, and it's you know really hilly, and climbs and climbs and climbs, and kind of tempted to do that. Um, that would maybe just seal the deal, so to speak, where I'd kind of just be like, yes, done. So maybe that's what I should do tomorrow morning. Um, but either way, you know, we'll, we'll, like I say, if I just run easy between now and traveling, there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, but look, I appreciate you guys all listening. I, I hope I covered um, what you guys wanted to hear or, or you know, um, wanted to hear me talk about. And, and, and of course, um, there'll be more, you know, more things are going to come out. I, just because I spoke about, you know, mental health and, and abuse and things like this, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to be this guy that stands from the rooftops now and yells it and like, a, you know, you get those... Uh, Christian men that stand at the end of the street with a megaphone and they really want everyone to hear what they have to say. I understand some people don't want to hear about this. So um, hopefully I, I draw a good balance between letting people know it's okay to talk and, and to express themselves and um, ask for help, but then also not going over the top and, and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Push. Um, on that note, when I did listen to the Andre Agassi book, I'll, I'll start listening to it again when I'm driving back up the mountain today. But um, he meets a he meets a Christian man, and uh, he'd been going to church for like six months. And Andre, I guess he's really trying to find himself. And I guess you guys, <laughs> it's mad that you guys thought you knew this person, thought you knew me, and I thought I knew me, and then all of a sudden I dropped this fucking bombshell on the world that like you know I've, I've, I've talked before about being through things and I mean I haven't even told you guys not necessarily the half of it but like I've just talked about the abuse to me there was there was things there was other things you know there was like marriage problems there was and you have to experience all this as a kid and you don't know what any of it means you know there was lots going on but um he meets this Christian man and he you know he, he Andre Agassi's having a tough time and, um, you know, the media is killing him and the journalists are ripping him apart. And he, he goes and he speaks to this. Um, I can't believe the sweat dripping down my back. This is disgusting, just sitting on a fucking balcony. Um, he goes in and wants to talk to the, you know, the um, the minister, is that what it's called? Anyway, this guy's just a, it's a non-denominational church and the guy talks about, look, I've read the Bible a couple of times and I'm not trying to teach you anything. I'm just I'm just going to tell you about a few observations I've had since reading it a couple of times. And I think that's really fucking cool. Um, and so Andre Agassi goes and wants to speak to him and he does speak to him. And um, the, it made me cry again yesterday. I'm, 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 a, I'm a wild man for crying. I'm driving down this road and... and Andre Agassi's telling him all about his past, and, and it felt a bit like myself opening up, and, you know, Andre Agassi's dad was really tough on him and, and pushed him, and of course it's created a superstar, and in a lot of ways, Andre Agassi's dad kind of knew what he was doing, like coaching him and, and pushed him to, you know, go to these international schools for of excellence for tennis, and um, versus my dad at the time, I think, was just trying to do his best, but didn't. You know, I, I don't know that it was really about me becoming a good runner as, as much as it was just about him enjoying the pushing side of things. But I don't know the answer to that. Anyway, he goes and speaks to this. Um, I'm going to call him a minister, but he's not. Um, he goes and speaks to this man, JP. And 
And JP eventually says to him that, you know, God, God is not like that voice in your head, that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, that voice in your head that is constantly yelling. And, and he said, that's just your dad. And he says, God's the opposite to that. And, you know, God, um, God just accepts you for what you are. And if you don't perform really well, like that's still OK. And um, and God is actually really nice. And he's not going to be really hard on you. He's not going to make you push and push and push. And he's not going to shout at you if you don't push well enough or hard enough. And, oh, fuck, I'm nearly crying again. But that's the whole point. And it's not like I'm a, a little Christian boy. or I'm not at all. Um, I haven't been to church in 15 years. But maybe that's the kind of thing that's going to save me. Oh, should not have said the word save. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. Like, I'm still quite emotional about this, and um, it's not that I need saved. I just need to start not being so angry at myself and forgive myself and not beat myself up as much as I do. It just be a bit, woo, just be a bit nicer to myself and allow myself to be happy and feel loved and feel warm and just feel good about myself and not always, always, always be asking too much or trying to seek perfection or and I really fucking like what he said you know that's God's the opposite and it's not that I necessarily need God I just need to become God and I need to stop carrying the abuse 18 years later 15 years later I need to stop doing that and I I need to just start being a bit nicer to me and and I'm really excited about that. Like, really, really fucking excited about that. That, you know, from here forward, it's going to get better. And it doesn't mean I won't be a good athlete. It doesn't mean that um, I won't be who I am. I will. But I, but I also just want the nice things. And I kind of think I've neglected myself for those for a long enough time now. So, yeah, it was a, it was a big chapter for me to listen to and. Um, it really hit home um, and, and that's I think without honesty you can't heal so recently I've just been honest and not, and not hid or not not constantly in my head rehearsed how would someone interpret what I'm saying you know what are people going to think of this what would you know the person that was a pretty evil man in my life you know what would he think but I don't really care anymore because he doesn't really deserve to have an opinion at this point. Um, you abuse a kid. And it's not, look, it doesn't matter the extent of abuse. It was probably way worse than I even let on because I think you do a good job at trying to forget things. Um, but if you are a parent or a coach or a loved one or whatever, you know, just, just be careful sometimes the things you're saying to children and um, the people close to you because you don't have to say everything that you think that's what I would say you know you can think some things you could have tried harder you could have fucking been better tactically but there's a time and place to say that the first thing you have to say is well done and, and I'm so proud of you for trying I'm so proud of you for you know getting out there and doing what a lot of people can't do and then if that person asks for your feedback that's a good time to talk about tactics and maybe they could have worked harder. And maybe they don't really give a fuck about what you're thinking or what you have to say. 
I hope they do, because that means they're pretty close to you, but there's a time and place to say it. Just, just remember that. You don't have to say everything that you're thinking. All right, guys, I'm going to leave you with that. Did not think I was going to cry again, but such is life. Um, appreciate you listening. This is a long one, but um, it is getting close to the Olympics, and a lot happened. So, um, look, I appreciate you listening. Have a great day. Let's go with it.